to tell, see, the, the, it takes some gall to, to tell Americans we're going to create a, a new, new world order after the last one, globalization, <laughs> wrecked our jobs and kind of was responsible for the rise of China. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. Jill wants to lead the new world order. He can't even keep his own house in order. And so what we're witnessing is the, the, the violent eruptions of a great tectonic shift in global power. As U.S. global power declines, China ascends, power shifts from the West, Europe and the United States towards Asia. And we're witnessing then an historic change, constructing a, a new kind of world order, uh, far less concerned with human rights, far less concerned with law, a kind of transactional world order of mutual convenience. Remember back in the early 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed, Bush 41 said the new world order was an opportunity. We have in this past year made great progress in ending the long era of conflict and Cold War. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Well, sadly, Bush lost. And Clinton, Wall Street, and stupid senators like Joe Biden shaped the new world order. And that new world order ended up just being massive globalization, putting other countries first and America last pushing deals like NATO and NAFTA, where we opened our borders, shipped our jobs down south to Mexico, and empowered the cartels that are funneling drugs into our neighborhoods. And China can thank the New World Order for their giant leap forward. We're joined by Alfred McCoy, professor of history at University of Wisconsin-Madison, author of numerous books, most recently, To Govern the Globe, World Orders and Catastrophic Change. His recent article for The Nation is headlined, Russia and China Together at Last. And that's also a reference to the historic meeting between Putin and Xi Jinping on February 4th of this year, when the two met uh, during the Winter Olympics and they issued an historic 5,300-word declaration that <clears throat> laid claim to establishing a kind of new global order, uh, to attacking U.S. global hegemony, and to build upon their strong bilateral alliance, their uh, very close economic integration in the field of energy, and to uh, uh, simultaneously block NATO from threatening Russia and uh, uh, block the United States from supporting Taiwan against China's legitimate claims to Taiwan. Um, and so, in effect, what that meeting failed to accomplish was it simply failed to break this emerging alliance between China and Russia, which is literally shaking the current world order. The international order that the U.S. and its allies built after World War II is, we are told, crumbling. I really do think this is a moment like the end of World War II, where all of the boats are rocking, but the forces of freedom are doing what they need to preserve and protect themselves. It's about humility, isn't it? 
Tulsi. It's about recognizing that the American president can't just shape the world however he wants. And part of being intelligent is kind of knowing your limitations. Do you think Joe Biden knows his limitations or do you think he's so arrogant that he think he's just going to, you know, create a new world order? Central to that humility, Jesse, is first and foremost recognizing you're not God. You are not in control. And if you try to pretend that you are, what will result, even with good intentions, what will result, unfortunately, is more suffering, more hardship for the people in the world that supposedly he's trying to save. He seems to be more focused on trying to be president of the world. And along with the power elite of America, taking this missionary zeal to say, you know what, we're, we're going to set aside the problems that the American people are facing and instead focus on saving the world by spreading democracy everywhere. It's just a bigger version of, of Obama's Arab Spring, where he took his kind of messianic attitude towards trying to save the Middle East by spreading democracy, but really just left destruction, suffering and death in his wake. And uh, and that's exact, that, that is exactly what we will see play out if he continues to think that he is and can be somehow the controller of all people and all things in this world. I mean, he can barely even control himself, let alone the entire world. That because of their alliance and their dominant position in this great landmass that comprises 70% of the world's population and productivity, that, that it almost inevitably that they are going to emerge as the new centers of global power on the planet. Is that we're seeing a, a sense of extraordinary confidence from Moscow and Beijing that literally history and more importantly geopolitics is on their side. They believe that their alliance gives them such dominance, such power on the massive Eurasian landmass that they can prevail, that they can not only dominate the landmass, they can dominate international politics. In essence, they are pursuing a geopolitical strategy to break U.S. control over the Eurasian landmass and thereby break U.S. global power. They think that they are witnessing the birth, the historic birth of a new world order in which the great global hegemon, the United States, which has dominated the world for the past 70 years, in which its global power is broken and it and and its dominance over Eurasia, something the United States has maintained since the start of the Cold War in the early 1950s, that that is coming also to an end. And they can break U.S. global power and they together can construct a new global order. The movement of, uh, of uh, China to align with Russia or to, um, uh, yeah, the movement of them to align with Russia or their, their proximity of moving closer together is certainly of great concern to us, as we have expressed. And we are not the only country that has expressed that concern, including many other members of the G7 have expressed exactly that concern. The growing power of China over the Eurasian continent, their Belt and Road Initiative, this trillion dollar development program, that now incorporates around 70 nations in Eurasia and Africa, laying down infrastructure, pipelines, railroads, and roads across the whole Eurasian landmass. If this development project succeeds, and it's 10 times the size of the, the Marshall Plan that the United States used to rebuild Europe after World War II, it's the biggest development scheme in human history. 
If this scheme works in laying down infrastructure of rails, pipelines, uh, <clears throat> and roads across the Eurasian landmass, and that draws the commerce of Eurasia, home to 70% of the world's population, towards Beijing, then almost as if by natural law, power and prestige and global leadership will flow towards Beijing. Because every global hegemon for the last 500 years, from the Portuguese to the Spanish, the Dutch, the British, the United States, and now the Chinese, have done one thing in common. They have all dominated Eurasia. The, their rise to global power, including the U.S. rise to global power after World War II, was accompanied by dominance over Eurasia. And decline of all of these global powers, including the United States, has been marked by their declining control over Eurasia. I'd say by 2030, by the end of this decade, it will become clear that U.S. global power is eclipsed, that power has shifted to Beijing on the Eurasian landmass, and they are the new global hegemon.